Um, before we get started, let me show you this because I'll get excited and I'll forget about it in a few minutes. We have these yellow pieces of paper in the foyer. This is um, something that we're starting this year. We did it five or six years ago where we want to try to read the Bible through as a church. That way we all kind of focused. And I just believe that if God has us all on the same page every day as we're reading and as we're praying, then uh, we're going to see God in big ways. And so grab one of these pieces of paper as you leave today. We're going to try to keep it. If you look in your bulletin, it should be in your bulletin every week. Um, I think I'm going to put Frank on the spot right now. We're going to try to keep it out on social media as much as we can and stuff. And so we're going to try to keep it in front of you. That way there's no excuses. We'll get it on the, on the um, Facebook where you can download it if you need to. We'll try to get it on the website. But anyway, so we'll have it out there all over the place. And so grab one of these and, um, and start today. We're actually starting today with it and start reading your Bible through. And, um, and hopefully we'll... This time next year, we can stand and say, wow, what a God we serve, and look what he done because we was all focused together. Uh, all right, I need to go ahead and just, just kill a rumor that got started, apparently, and go ahead and get that out of the way. Last Sunday, there was a Christmas miracle, not a New Year's resolution, but a Christmas miracle. I guess my blood sugar dropped, and I ended up putting on khaki pants and tucking my shirt in, and people got excited. It was an accident. I had to bring that shirt to the cleaners to get the wrinkles pressed out of it. And so uh, it was just a Christmas miracle, not a New Year's resolution. So we, we back to normal. So you, you, you can rest easy that nothing has changed. And so, uh, but uh, I, I did get picked at last week about that. So I won't do it no more that way. I don't get picked at no more because I, I get my feelings hurt kind of easy sometimes. But, uh, but anyway, this morning we're going to be talking, um, you know, I mentioned the, the, the reading and, and I want to talk about, um, we're going to be in, in Luke today in chapter 5, if you want to go ahead and turn your Bibles there. But me and we, we watch shows, it's funny, we, we watch Netflix and Hulu and stuff at my house, and we have shows that I watch, that Paige watches, Peyton watches, Tammy watches, and we have some shows we watch together, we decide we want to be a family. And so anyway, we've been watching this show called um, Flashpoint, and it's a, it's a, a um, Canadian SWAT team. And, um, and so that, that's, we're actually rewatching. We'd watched it several years ago. And, and, and they use these words, these terminology when they get into things. And so, like, whenever they get there, and, and they always have one sniper, you know. And when the sniper gets the, the person in view, he'll say, I've got the solution. And then whenever things don't go the way they're supposed to, then the, his commander will use the word Scorpio, and that means shooting. Well, we're not talking about shooting people today. But we are going to talk about solution. We have the solution right here. This is the solution. And this is the solution that we're going to be talking about today. And, and so as we dive into this in just a second, you know, you're going to see this. And between this and between using these every day to get into this more, then we're going to have the solution. And I'm going to share a story at the end today to, to kind of wrap up to, to prove what God does whenever we have the solution and we bring it to people. And so um, I'm going to start out, I was looking, you know, just trying to get ready, and I'm, I'm always looking for different illustrations and stories and stuff, and I run across this one, and, and I just really liked it, because um, you can write this down, that if you encounter God, you're going to leave changed. One way or another, you're going to leave changed when you encounter God. 
And so this, this, this little, what I'm about to read you is about encounters, and, and you'll see how these encounters changed history and changed the world as we know it. How many of y'all have ever heard of a guy named Charlie Taylor? Charlie Taylor. Nobody. Nobody's ever heard of Charlie Taylor. But Charlie Taylor was actually a mechanical genius. He lived back in the early, late 1800s, early 1900s, um, ended up dropping out of school, went to work for a newspaper, ended up in their mechanical room. And all that you're thinking, well, what's that got to do with anything? Well, Charlie Taylor met these two brothers. These two brothers hired him to come work for, him, for them. And after a couple of years, Charlie Taylor invented the first engine that would be in an airplane for Orville and Wilbur Wright that they would use to fly. Now, if you go back and look, they had, other they had other planes that would get up and fly, but Charlie Taylor invented the first motor that was light enough that he could actually, they could turn and they could land without people dying. So that, that's a big deal, right? And so Charlie Taylor invented this motor, and because of an encounter that he met Orville and Wilbur right at the newspaper, they ended up hiring him. So now we have planes. Next week, I'm going to be on a plane coming home, and hopefully it's going to be the engine that can go up and come down and all that and not crash. But, and so, but you start looking and you look more through time at, at encounters, you know. You have um, Henry Ford met a guy named Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison poured into Henry Ford, encouraged him and pushed him. And because of that encounter that Henry Ford had with Thomas Edison, then Henry Ford developed the Ford Motor Company that we have today. You know, if you look, Alexander Graham Bell met a guy named Thomas Watson. And when those two met, soon after that, we have the telephone that we all depend on so much today. You know, and then you go back and you look even closer in time. A guy named Steve um, Jobs met a guy named Steve, I'm going to slaughter this name, Wozniak in 1970. And that encounter, they um, come up with a computer company called Apple Computers. You know, a lot of us have iPhones and stuff like that. Because of that encounter in 1970, look where we're at today with computers and with phones and stuff like that. You know, um, so encounters happen and encounters mean things. You know, and as we dive into Scripture in just a minute, we're going to read about an encounter when Jesus met Peter. But whenever you go back and you look, you know, and you look at these encounters, when people met this guy named Jesus, a lot of them, they either walked away really happy or they walked away sad. They walked away literally walking away where they had never walked before. They met Jesus and they was able to see or they was able to hear or they didn't have demons that they had before. So when you look and you look at the life of Jesus and the lives that he's affected over the last 2,000 years, there's probably not one person that's more influential that we can ever say than what Jesus Christ is. And so that's when I tell you when we have the solution, we have the solution. Because whenever people meet Jesus, things are going to change. And, and so and they're going to change for the good if we let them. So if you have your Bible, turn to Luke 5. And we're going to start in Luke 5. We'll start in verse 1. Luke 5, verse 1. It says, One day Jesus was standing by, um, by the lake of Genesaret, and the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. And he saw at the water's edge two boats, left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. And so he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him, put out a little bit from shore. And then he sat down and he talked to people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, 
went out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at, at Jesus' knees, and he said, Good, Get away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that were taken. And, the, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their, pulled their boats up on shore and left everything and followed him. Let's pray. Father, we just come to you again, Lord. Father, I just ask that even right now, Father, you show us your solution. Father, you show us, Father, in a real way, your word. And Father, how when we encounter you, our lives will be changed. And, Father, how when we encounter you and our lives are changed, Father, people around us will be changed because of your love and your mercy and your grace. And Father, we love you. So in his name I pray. Amen. So when you look at these scripture and you look at these words, you know, and, and you start looking, all right, Jesus is out and he's walking, you know, and he's walking by this lake and the people are crowding around him. And if you go back and study, it says that Jesus almost got claustrophobic. It was so many people. You know, so, you know, he saw these two boats, and so all of a sudden, he says, all right, I, I got a solution. So he gets in one of the boats, he asks Peter to put out from the shore a little bit, and he turns that boat into a, a, a floating pulpit. That's a good thing, huh, Mr. A.D.? Huh? That means we need to fish more, right? So, see, so I just got you grace with Miss Francis. But that's what he done. You know, he got out in this boat, and so then he starts teaching, and he starts telling people you know, the things that they need to hear. And as, he, as he's doing this, you know, if you really look, all right, if you're paying attention, all, right, all these people were following Jesus, but Peter, where was Peter? Peter was sitting in his boat, washing his nets, going on about his day. He really wasn't interested in what Jesus had to say right then. But, you know, so Jesus, what's he do? He gets in his business. He gets in a boat with him where he's a captive audience at that point. And so then Peter's having to sit there and listen as, he's, as Jesus is teaching. And then when Jesus gets through, you know, he turns around and, and uh, this guy's a fisherman. I mean, this is his trade. He don't wake up in the morning and say, you know, what am I going to do today? He's followed his family business. And that's what they used to do back in that day. So he was a fisherman because his dad was a fisherman, because his grandpa was a fisherman, his great-grandpa was a fisherman. He knew the fishing trade. He done fished all night long. And so now we're sitting there just trying to get his nets clean so he can go get in bed and go to sleep to get ready for that night's fish. And then what's Jesus say when he gets through? Peter, won't you just put out into the deep water? And so Peter looks at him and he says, man, we have fished all night long. Why do we want to do this? But because you say so, I'm going to do it. And then what's Jesus do? He rocks his world, you know. All of a sudden, where he went a night and didn't catch any fish, now he's got so many fish that he's having to get another boat to come out and help. Now, that would be a lot of fun. I think that would be fun to have that many fish. 
you know? And so that, and so whenever he gets through, then all of a sudden Peter realizes, all right, there's something different about this guy. This guy has just done something completely different. Not only have I heard him talk like I've probably never heard, heard somebody talk before, but now he has done this miracle and I have more fish than I know what to do with. And it's sinking our boats to try to get them back in. And so Peter falls down and, you know, what do we do so many times as people? You know, we fall at Jesus' feet and say, I'm not worthy. Get away from me. Just get away from me because I'm not worthy to be here. And Jesus looks at him and says, son, I just changed your life and you don't realize it. You're not going to fish anymore for fish. I'm about to make you start fishing for men. And so that encounter changed everything. Because when you start looking as Jesus starts going through and starts calling his disciples, he changed history as we know it. You know, and it all started in a floating pulpit out in the middle of a lake whenever he had Peter as a captive audience. You know, but there's four words that if we could grasp as people, we would have that same change. Those four words, you know, whenever he looks, and if you have your Bibles, you know, look in verse 5 and, and underline these words. Underline, because you say so. Those four words changed Peter's life. You know, he wasn't sure, and deep down he didn't want to do it. But because this guy, this rabbi, this teacher was sitting in his boat and told him to do it, he said, all right, because you say so. Well, just think about our life. What would our life look like if we wouldn't try to reason out with God? What would our life look like if we said, all right, because you say so, God, I'm going to do this. Because you say so, I'm going to leave and go start building churches for free for people all over the United States and people not even like it. Huh, Brother Richard? You know? But because you say so, I'm going to leave what I know and I'm going to go do this. Because you say so, you know? So when you look at these words, you know, how can that change things? Because you say so. You know, when he told Peter that, not only did he tell him to fish where, he told him not to fish where he normally does, because apparently they fished in shallow water with these nets and stuff. He said, go out and let's get in the deep water. Let's get in the unknown. Let's get you away from everything. And so part of it, I believe, was to get Peter away from everything that he knew so that he had his total focus. You know, how many of us, our lives are so, when you look at your calendar, you start looking, how am I even going to complete tomorrow because of all the dots on my calendar? You know, so what did Jesus do? He got Peter away from all the distractions. He got him away from everything that he knew. He got him away from all the distractions on the shore, the shore all the people on the shore. He got him out in this lake. He had him fishing in the deep water. And all of a sudden, he had his attention to where he could change him. And that's what God wants. He wants us to. To, he wants to change us. And a lot of times we look and we say, well, you know, if I could just have this mountaintop high, you know, if I could have this spiritual retreat with God, if I could just spend a week away from everybody and away from everything, then I can be changed. But how many of us, honestly, we get that? You know, they're few and far between unless you work with a student ministry and you get to go to camp every year. But, you know, so when you start looking, so Jesus took Peter right where he was at, right out of the busyness of his day, and he didn't take him anything special. He took him out into the water that he was familiar with, but he put him in the deep water, and he put him where he had to depend on him, and he put him to where he had to pay attention to him. And then whenever that happened, because you say so, 
because you say so, because you've just showed me this miracle, because now all of a sudden I've got more fish I've ever seen in my life and my boats are sinking, what do you want me to do? And what's Jesus telling me? He says, I want you to become a fisher from, from man. So they pull their boats up and they walk away from everything they've ever known. Because you say so, and you're going to get those words, I want you to really hear them. Because you say so. But how many of us, how many of us, when we start looking and we hear those words, then all of a sudden we start saying, all right, God's about to read the fine print in my life. God's going to say, well, you know, I didn't know you had those addictions. I didn't know you had that baggage. I didn't know you were struggling with this. If I had known that, I probably wouldn't have called you. Those words don't come out of God's mouth, do they? You know, whenever he looks, he don't look and he don't analyze and say, mm -mm, I really can't use you today. Herman Melville wrote a book called Moby Dick. And one of the chapters, there's actually a pastor preaching in a church that's designed for sailors. And the pastor in that book, he makes this statement. He said, all things that God would, would have us do are hard for us. Reminding them that obedience to God calls for us um, the cost of discipleship. And he goes on to say, if we obey God, we must first disobey ourselves. We've got to come to a place to give away all the control in our lives, and we have to release ownership. We've got to come to the place where we say, if I, if I don't get it, but if you say so. How many times in our lives do we say, God, I don't get it, but because you say so, I'm going to do this. God, I don't get it, but because you say so, I'm going to do this. God, because I don't get it, I'm going to teach this Sunday school class. Or God, I don't get it, but I'm going to lead this ministry. Or God, I don't get it, but I'm going to go to work tomorrow and I'm going to witness to somebody in my office and I'm going to live my life in such a way that they see you. You know, we're not all called to be ministers and we're not all called to be deacons. We're not all called to be Sunday school teachers, but we're all called to be believers and we're all called to be witnesses for him. And because you say so, then we need to live our life out to where people seem. You know, there's people in all, if you start looking in your circle of influence, the people that's around you, you're going to influence people that I'll never have a chance to influence. They're going to listen to you because of who you are and not listen to me because of who I am. But because you say so, God, I'm going to chase after you, and I'm going to do this. And so whenever you start looking, you know, what do we need to do? We need to take that mindset that Peter had. This don't make sense, but I'm going to do it. You know, this don't make sense. Why do I want to read my Bible every day? Why do I want to have to check a box every day saying that I've read my Bible? Because I want to be more like him. And I want to meet him, and I want to be changed, and I want to chase after him. So, God, in 2018, I'm going to commit to reading my Bible every day. God, in 2018, I'm going to commit to praying every day. You know, and just like this thing says, in 2018 can be the best year yet. If we commit to reading our Bible, if we commit to praying, if we commit to chasing after him, 2018 is going to be the best year we've ever lived. Am I telling you it's going to be the easiest year? Absolutely not. Because change hurts. And change gets deep. But if we chase after him, it'll be the best year we've ever lived. But we have to be willing to do that. I can't make you do that. Howard Turner can't make you do that. Or Donald or Frank, none of us can make you do it. But if you choose to be like Peter and say, but because you say so, I'm going to do this. Because you say so, I'm going to read my Bible. And I'm going to be changed. You know? 
I, was, I mentioned earlier about a, a guy that I met 18 months ago. I met a guy, literally got a text message, hadn't met him. He was going to be one of the assistant football coaches at Live Oak High School and one of the teachers. And I got a text from Beth Jones, the principal, and then literally within 10 minutes, I got another text from Brett Beard, the football coach, and said, you need to be praying for this guy. And his name's Kevin Schneider. Y'all going to get to meet him in a few weeks. And you need to be praying for Kevin because they think his four-year-old son has cancer. I said, well, send me his number. I didn't know Kevin. Wouldn't have knew him if he'd have walked through that back door. And so I just sent him a text message. And I said, Kevin, you don't know me. My name is Johnny Morgan. I'm a student pastor at Live Oak Baptist Church. I want you to know that I'm praying for you. And I sent him Psalms 4610 and just said, be still and know that, that I'm God. I'll be exalted among the nations and the earth. I said, Kevin, God's still God. And even though you don't understand what's going on with your son, God's still God. He's in control. And we texted more that day. But three weeks later, I got a chance to meet him. For 18 months, we've been meeting every Thursday morning at 6 o'clock doing Bible study together. And I'll be honest, there's a lot of them Thursday mornings where it would be real easy for me when that alarm goes off at 5 o'clock to say, mm, I'm going to stay home today. But I didn't. I got up and I went to Bible study with these coaches and these assistant principals. 18 months. Kevin walked through a really ugly divorce, and we walked it with him as men. We prayed together. We cried together. We've laughed together, that group. And Kevin asked lots of questions, just being honest. And when you meet with somebody every Thursday at 6 o'clock, you're going to slip and you're going to get real with people because you're just not aware, you know. And so we've spent that time together. A few weeks ago, I went to um, Live Oak's football banquet and um, was sitting there. And usually they have tables set up across the front for all the coaches. And, and usually I get to sit there with the coaches. And they miscounted and didn't have enough tables. So me and Mike DeMaria, uh, Mike's over the FCA, and he meets with us on some of the Thursday mornings. Me and him was going to sit at the front of one of the tables close to him. Kevin and his girlfriend come in, and they didn't have a place, so they sat with us. And um, the conversation went kind of like this. Kevin looked. He said, man, he said, I know I ask a thousand questions when I'm in Bible study with y'all. And he said, um, but I got some more questions. And I said, man, you can't ever ask enough questions. And, and he said, well, we'll get together next week. He said, I, I, don't, um, I don't believe that I'm saved. I stood up and called a timeout in the whole meeting. I didn't really. I wanted to. I said, no, we're going to talk about this now. We're not going to wait till next week. Because you've just opened a can of worms that we're going we're gonna to talk about now. And so over the next few minutes while we was eating supper at that football banquet, we talked to him. And we shared. And we talked and we talked. And he got weepy. And I got weepy. And Mike got weepy. And his girlfriend got weepy. And by the end of that conversation, me and Kevin stood in a corner. And he prayed and accepted Christ. And in a few weeks, you're going to get to meet Kevin because I'm going to get an opportunity to baptize him and his girlfriend. And why do I tell you that story? It's because, because you say so, God. Because you say so, I'm going to get up and go at 6 o'clock every Thursday morning and do Bible study with a group of guys. Because you say so, God, I'm going to live in such a way that people see you in me. Because you say so, God, that's what we're called to do. 
And I think as a church, as people sitting in this room, if we ever grasp that, if we ever grasp, because you say so, God, we're going to have the best year we've ever had. You know, because if you, because you say so, if we occupy all the streets all the time in this community and people see God in us because we're reading his word and we're diving in. So we have the solution and we have what it takes. You know, last night when we was watching that show and as we sat there and they was trying to defuse a bomb. And the, the short version is the guy had set landmines around the bomb. And um, so the guy, when he went to get it, he stepped on a landmine. Well, he, he couldn't move. And there wasn't no way that they could save him. And so he ends up letting the guy get away from him that was trying to save him. And then he steps off the landmine and it kills him. You know, and why do I tell you that? Because they was trying to figure out a solution to save him. And they couldn't do it. Well, let me tell you, we have the solution for people to come to know the Lord. We have the solution. But we have to be willing to say, God, because you say so, I'm going to take it to the streets of Watson and Walker and Denham and Central and wherever we're at. God, because you say so, I'm going to take it in my job place. And people are going to see you in me. You know, sometimes it means we might have to bite our lip and not respond the way we typically would respond. Sometimes it means we might have to walk away from a conversation, but then sometimes it might mean that we need to run into conversations and give them hope. Because you say so, God, I'm going to live for you in 2018. What are we going to do? How are we going to live? Are we going to have that attitude of Peter to where after we say those words and after we say, because you say so, I'm going to pull my boat up on shore and I'm going to walk away from everything I know and chase after you. You know, and I think I know even for myself, whenever those words cross my lips and whenever I surrender to the ministry, I was thinking that, you know, you surrender to the ministry, you're going to be a minister. That means you've got to move. I thought I was going to have to move somewhere way off. But God's used me right here I've been on the same piece of property just about my whole life. I've drove 10 million miles up down Highway 16. I've ate in the restaurants in this area. And because of all that, I'm convinced that God has used me right here in Watson. Because 15 years ago, I said, because you say so, God, I'm going to chase after you. And that's what God's calling us all to do. He's not calling all of us to go to Africa. He's not calling all of us to leave everything. He's calling us to leave everything that we trust and fall in love with him and be used right where we're at. To minister right where our shadow falls, right here. There's people right here that need to hear him. They need that solution that we know. Are we going to be willing to take it to them in 2018?